good morning. This is Mike. And, uh, this is the first podcast of April of uh, Driving Theology, and I am on my way to work as usual, uh, but not as usual. Um, this is the first day of the school year for the kindergarten that I'm working at. Uh, and uh, I go to once a week. Um, but I'm in my my family car, my wife's car, instead of my car. My car has, uh, which is, I guess, uh, 21 years old now, starting to have uh, some difficulties, not overheating. I've got a leak in my radiator, which I've had for a while, and I've been, you know, I continue to continually put water in it, but yesterday, even though I put water in it, it still overheated, so now i got to figure out what's gone wrong there won't be fun. I have a feeling the hole in the radiator is just bigger, or it's just because the it's uh, it's hotter these days, and so the, the engine gets hotter and then the water boils out faster because of the leak, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I'm in my wife's car, so I had to set it up to be able to record. Hopefully it'll come out okay. It's a little bit newer car, probably a little quieter. Um, although, maybe not that much. There's a lot of rattling going on with the back seats. But Oh well, that's what we got today anyway. Uh, so, coffee check. I am, uh, what am I drinking? I believe this is Papua New Guinea. Uh, from last week that I roasted it last Thursday, I suppose. Yeah, it is actually a nice coffee. I just did this in the V60. When I did an AeroPress this morning with the same bean. Man, was it delicious. Just really nice. And this is this is good too. Um, but I kind of got distracted while I was brewing it and didn't get all my timing just just perfectly accurate um, but yeah it's good nonetheless very drinkable uh, so how are you guys holding up in uh, this world of COVID-19 uh, we we've been really hard at it now I guess probably two solid months all of all of February and all of March, it seems like we've been obsessed with it. Uh, and of course, with this kind of thing, the uh, uh, conspiracy theories abound about what's actually going on in the deep state and all this, you know, kind of stuff. Um, I don't know much about that. I suppose if I let myself go down that road, I, I could get pretty into it. Conspiracy theory stuff is pretty interesting. Uh, when not true. Uh, so very interesting if it were to be true. But anyway, uh, I, I don't really believe much of that. Not that, not that I don't think uh, certain powers that be uh, won't take 
advantage of the situation for their own good politically or you know to to put forth or or progress their own political agendas i think i think that's what politicians do you know i think that's that's part and parcel of and and that's probably the right way to do politics to to do whatever you have to uh, to progress the agenda that you believe in because generally people are convinced that the agendas that they uh, put forth are what's best for the people and best for themselves they, they believe that whether it's true or not it's another another uh, matter altogether but they generally believe in what they are doing uh, uh, deluded as as they might be uh, that what they're doing is good for the people for the most people or for the right people maybe the people who pay their salary or uh, who got them elected or whatever so I don't think we should be surprised when people take advantage of situations like this um, there's a lot of you, you know I told you so's that fly around a lot of finger pointing you know the of course the the right blames the left and the left blames the right and <laughs> and it's just all political but you know here on the ground for me and I know it's not the same for everybody uh, I I haven't met as far as I know anybody with COVID-19 uh, or you know I don't I don't even know know of anybody that has it except maybe one person in the whole world that that I know personally that may or may not have had it um, I can't think of anybody else right now there, there may be another person somewhere um, famous people have gotten it obviously uh, and recovered um, but as far as people I know and in my circle of influence I haven't come across anybody uh, except maybe maybe one 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 poss possible person uh, who uh, had a case of it that was you know may at one point be documentable documentable I think that's the right word I'm sorry this coffee is just too good not to drink oh hmm. am I getting to this if I'm getting any notes No, nothing comes to mind. Just a good cup of coffee. You know, I feel like I'm doing a commercial. But freshly, uh, freshly roasted and then freshly ground and then freshly brewed coffee is about the best thing you can have. Um, it takes It takes your normal coffee from being something you reluctantly shove into your body because because you need to be alert uh, but for the most part you're just uh, tolerating uh, to something that has an exquisite array of flavors and notes and, and tastes that that keep your your mouth guessing and excited and and uh, you know, if if you're if you're drinking 
coffee that's been roasted months ago or pre-ground uh, even days ago uh, or God forbid coffee that's sat in a can uh, either cold or hot in a, in a machine for months or weeks you're just not getting uh, I don't know 99% of the joy that coffee can bring you may or may not be getting the, the caffeine boost or the pickup uh, but I suggest you guys find a, a fresh source of coffee and you'll find that when you do this you will drink it more intently and probably you'll drink less coffee that's how it's been with me uh, since I've started um, brewing, brewing my coffee either by the cup or at least you know two or three cups at a time I've started drinking less coffee because it's more labor-intensive, but I've started enjoying each cup much, much more. Um, it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's kind of... Uh, some people get into it, some people don't, and that's fine. Um, yeah, just uh, wanted to preach the gospel of coffee this morning a little bit. <laughs> uh Wow, theologically, I'm, I'm witnessing on social media just how churches uh, are are surviving. In fact, my my uh, sister, who lives in the St. Louis area, she is a church secretary and has been for many years. Uh, they they call her an elderess, uh, jokingly, because she's very much a part of the. Uh, inner works of how, how that church uh, uh, moves and, and, and progresses and does and she knows everybody and everything and, and she's kind of the heart of the church I guess I'd say in a sense which, which is very sacrilegious um, but let's say of that congregation anyway she's, she's very much a part of the inner workings of that church uh, but I talked to her last night you know just about how you know they've they've decided not to physically meet in the building and and how they're trying to comply with that and and uh, and um, you know the challenges that that poses. Um, but uh, you know th this has caused a lot of people um, to be forced into a situation where they either admit that church attendance every Sunday, physical church attendance in the church building every Sunday, is necessary to please God or is not necessary to please God. And because of this threat, this physical threat, people are, people are finally starting to say, well, maybe it's not necessary. You know, maybe we don't have to be there every time the doors are open. Uh, maybe uh, going to church is not the same as being the church. Uh, and this is a horrible thing that had to happen for people to come to that conclusion. Uh, but, but I'm glad they're coming to that conclusion. This is a conclusion that I came to years and years ago, uh, which is why we've stepped out and are doing something uh, a little bit different in gathering and, and, and uh, I guess people might call it radical or 
revolutionary or whatever. Um, but we, you know, we just, we gather uh, when we can. And if we can't, we don't worry about it too much and just keep trying to, you know, keep in touch and love on each other and stay in each other's lives. And, um, but this, this situation of, of uh, forced church closings by the government is, is making an interesting um, situation where people are faced again with their values. You know what? What do I believe is right, and what I what do I believe is wrong, and how does that how does that work in this situation? And I think that's a good place for people to be. Um, I think anything that causes you to look again at your values, whether you whether you uphold them or whether you change them, right? Uh, not everything you believe is wrong necessarily. Um, So, but, you know, you can forget why you believe what you believe at times and just go through the motions. And I don't think that's ever helpful. It may be, it may be just how things work, but uh, I think it's much better when we are, are actively involved in uh, taking things case by case and remembering why we believe how we believe. Uh, and then acting accordingly. I think it's it's always the better the better situation when we can do that. Sorry, I'm navigating a little bit of a intersection here. <clears throat> beautiful day here in Japan, by the way. Just beautiful. Uh. But yeah, our gathering has, is the same place where we're probably going to have to figure out a way to gather by Zoom meeting like everybody else. Um, but it's not something, because of the way we've been put together, it's not something that is a, you know, causes any crisis of conscience because we've already bridged that gap a long time ago. Uh, we already came to certain conclusions about the nature of the gathering. Uh, and you know the nature of, of the person of God. Uh, it's it's difficult for people to get over the idea that God does not get angry. It's very difficult to give that up. Uh, something I read this morning, which was very awesome. Uh, I mentioned Jacob Wright many times uh, in this podcast. He's a guy that I follow on social media, and he he's he's really good at concisely stating the the obvious hypocrisies in belief okay in, in, in Christianity especially in evangelical Christianity especially I think uh, he, he would add um, Pentecostal uh, Pentecostals with evangelicals anyway There's two. There's two. Two camps. Uh, well, I'm going to talk about two camps. There's probably more than two camps. Um, but there, there are two ways that people look at God. We we look at God as, uh, as Jesus, all loving, all forgiving, self-sacrificing, um, non-violent, right? We look at God as Jesus, 
when we look at God as God is the Old Test God in the Old Testament, uh, ret retributive, uh, vengeful, angry, uh, destructive, violent, um, and somewhat un unpredictable. I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, now, if if I, I was in the second camp originally, you know, I, I grew up with the idea that uh, if you if you don't do what you're supposed to do, God will punish you, right? The idea that God is violent, um, God is good, because God is all powerful and God made everything. Therefore, whatever God says goes, and God can do whatever He wants. Uh, and he he is not held accountable because he is the standard himself. Therefore, whatever he does is right. It doesn't matter what it looks like to us. Uh, whatever he does is right, and we just have to accept that. But we must live by a different standard than God judges himself. We must live uh, in a completely good way, whatever that means, righteous way. And if we don't, God is upset with us, right? Uh, and this is a pretty normal way that I would say 90% of Christians grow up believing. And I'm not sure they don't have to. I'm not sure this is because of the broken state that the world is in. We may have to start with that kind of uh, a picture of God in order to, in order to work to a more uh, correct uh, view of God. Eventually, I'm not sure that it may have to be that way. Um, but when when you are of that paradigm, right? When you believe in a violent, uh, an arbitrarily violent God, um, you tend to look at people who believe in an all-loving God, right? And you say you've, and 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 you might say, you are just making God in your own image, right? God made you in His image, but what you're doing is returning the favor. And I, I think that's how uh, <laughs> N.T. Wright states it. I don't remember who it is, but I think it's N.T. Wright, which is really interesting. Um, <clears throat> so. Yeah, so they would say, well, you, you know, all you're doing is making making the God that you want. You're making God in your own image. But actually, that's not true at all. Humans, I would say, in our very nature, are vengeful, uh, violent, and angry people. I say in our nature, uh, I mean the, na the sinful nature, right? When we are... When we are living in the nature of the flesh, that's that's the nature that the flesh has taken on, uh, and that somehow we are born into. <clears throat> but the thing is, no, we're not making God in our own image. That that's an image that's that's utterly not human. Humans do not gravitate towards mercy and forgiveness. We gravitate toward vengeance. And violence. 
okay? So if I believe in a God that's completely, completely and utterly unlike human beings, then that's not making God in my image. Now it could be just creating the God that I want, that I need because of my evilness, right? That's one argument, but you're certainly not making God in your own image, okay? Uh, that, that is a false accusation. Um, but you know, interestingly enough, if I'm honest about my own sin and failings and corruption, and I know how hard it is for me to be righteous while being saddled with all of this mess and muck. If Jesus is not the God that I need and want because of that situation, then why did he come? If he is not the answer, if he is not the cure, if he is not the vaccine for my messed upness, then what good is he at all? If he can't fix what's broken in me, then what do I need him for? And if he came just for me to fix myself, again, what do I need him for? Either Jesus came to fix something, to correct something, right? Or he came just to tell us to correct something tell us to do it under our own power using our own strength and that's 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 untenable i mean not if you believe anything in the in the gospels and paul not if you believe in the in the word grace at all now so many people say they believe in grace and they sing the song amazing grace and you know how sweet the sound but they don't believe in grace. They believe in conditional grace. And conditional grace isn't grace at all. I know I used to believe in it. I used to believe, you know, if only I uh, were baptized, if only I'd confess my sins, if only I'd repent, uh, if only I'd go to church, if only I'd do all of those things, then God will be pleased with me. And somehow I've got to engineer my life to where the very last thing I do uh, is all of these things uh, in order to go into the next life uh, without any blemish. Because I didn't believe in grace. I believed grace was conditional on my own behavior, on what I do. But either grace is grace or grace is not grace. There's no middle ground. It's not, a, it's not a special kind of Christian grace, you know, that has conditions. No, grace is grace or grace is not, just like freedom. Freedom is freedom or freedom is not freedom. There is no, well, it's kind of like freedom or it's it's a Christian version of freedom. You're free, but, you know, you got to be a slave to this, you know. You're, you're free in Christ, but you have to be a slave too. What? So, you know, um, there, there are so many reasons why not to believe in grace to believe in unconditional love agape to believe in freedom 
to be that's really free. And they all hinge around the fact that we've made God in our own image. We've made God to be like us. Sometimes hot, sometimes cold. Sometimes happy, sometimes angry. Sometimes merciful, merciful, but sometimes vengeful. That's God in our image. That's anthropomorphizing the divine. If you make if you if you have an image of God in your head that is like Jesus who is self-sacrificing, all loving, all merciful, all forgiving, who who desires to save all, that's not a God in the image of humans. That's that's something else. That's that's completely not human. That's not the human that we know. And the only humans that I know who are like that are humans who have been made in the image of Christ. Or another way to say that, who has discovered or or who's who have been this is really hard to say. People who have had their true selves revealed to them by Christ. And your true self is the image of God that is in you. Okay, we have that image of God, but we also have corruption. Right? And the, the worst thing is we don't believe that image of God in us. We don't trust it. But those people who practice love and mercy and forgiveness and reconciliation, who live lives of nonviolence, selflessness, those people are only that way because their true selves have been revealed to them. Right? God's nature has been uncovered in them. I hope one day to be one of those people. I'm not. I have anger issues. I have lust issues. I have all kinds of things uh, that that mean that I'm not quite living up to the image of God implanted, or or even not implanted that that was there from from my creation. I'm not living up to that image. But the wonderful thing about that is, is that I believe in grace, and I believe that that not only can Christ live through me in that way one day, but that even if he doesn't, even if I suppress him with all the corruption uh, and all the all the you know the the bad stuff that that I've allowed to come into my life or or that even has just made its way into my life that grace is real, that forgiveness is real, and reconciliation is real, and Christ has done that work in me and for me and for the entire world so that I not need worry about how well I live up to his image that is created inside of me. I know I've kind of gone off track. I was talking about how, you know, churches were making decisions about this and that. 
But see, this is one of those things, one of those false beliefs in me that had to be challenged that finally led me, I think, I hope, I pray, to discovering a truer image of God. Some of these things have to fall, and they have to fall kind of like dominoes sometimes, one after another. And until these lesser important things fall, uh, you may not get to a very true image of God. You may not get there in any timely fashion. It's possible, right? God is love. God is love and God is nothing else. Everything that God is, is caught up in his love. And anything that does not look like love to us, is probably not part of God and we need to rethink. And, and we need, you know, we need some revelation. Most of all, we need to open our eyes to who God is. Um, <clears throat> the good news is if, if God is, is love and is all loving and all forgiving then we can do that too you know we can, we can live that way as well we have permission to forgive to accept to be patient with and to not judge We don't have a mandate to judge people. We have a mandate to love people. I hope I can live that way today. I woke up kind of in a sour mood this morning. <laughs> Maybe it's because I have to go back to work. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just all the stress from what's going on. I have no idea. But, uh, yeah... So, <clears throat> I hope that whatever things, whatever, whatever rules or, or paradigms uh, that, that you're being challenged by, that you will honestly, prayerfully, thoughtfully, and open-mindedly look at, because it just, just may be the one thing that leads you to Christ, to the true face of Christ. And when you find the true face of Christ, you find the true face of God. And you find the meaning of the universe. Uh, and you find peace. You find love. You find all those things that you know you need and you want that are so elusive in this world. so hard to consistently give and get at least through other humans so I'm not a big fan of COVID-19 I wish it would have never come 
now that it's here, uh, I think I think God is going to to use this situation to enlighten more people. Will we have a revival of true believers, of, of true disciples of Christ? Uh, will it have to get worse before it gets better? I don't know. I'm not sure how it's going to look. You know, it's interesting. I started this talk about how politicians will will take advantage of this situation for their own gain and for their own agendas. Uh, when God takes advantage of a situation, and I think he does, he does it for our benefit, for our well-being. He does it because he loves us. I don't believe God caused COVID-19. I don't even believe God allowed it. I think God God works uh, in mysterious ways as as people in the Bible have, have noticed and have said. Um, and I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes, the, the, the spiritual battle that we don't quite get, right? But I believe he's always working and he's always there and he never sleeps, he never stops working for our benefit. And he asks nothing for it. Nothing at all. Because he needs nothing. Why would he ask anything? He's not in need of anything. He just loves us. Just loves us. Uh, so I think I'll stop right there. And uh, I pray that you guys are safe. That you have the medication and the healing and the isolation. Uh, but also the community. Uh, and most of all, the, the, the light of Christ um, that will help you and help those around you get through this, this crisis. Um, <clears throat> do I say I'm a lot? I noticed I do sometimes, especially when I start these conversations. I really try not to. So... If I do, sorry about that. I'll try to work on it. Thank you guys for listening and enjoy uh, somehow this beautiful springtime that we're having. Be safe. Practice social distancing and hand washing. But also look for opportunities where you can help others in this time of fear and uncertainty. I wish you peace. Bye-bye.